I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, you are listening to Going for Goal, the weekly women's health podcast. I'm your host, Roisin Devishokane, Senior Editor on Women's Health, and this is your weekly chance to plug in and be inspired to work on your health and wellness. Firstly, I just want to apologise for an error in last week's show. I said that the UK was going into a national lockdown when, in fact, although Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland are subject to various levels of restrictions, it was only England that was going into the nationwide lockdown. So sorry for any confusion. Still, whatever specific restrictions are in place where you are, there's a high chance that you'll be working on your fitness from your living room as opposed to the gym floor. And one woman who knows a thing or two about home workouts is today's guest, PT, Instagram star and three times women's health cover girl and columnist, Alice Living. She speaks to her friend and women's health's editor-in-chief, Claire Sanderson, back before the latest restrictions came into force. And they cover a lot, from at-home fitness making a fit and healthy lifestyle more accessible, to what to do to ensure you're properly challenging yourself and making gains at home, whatever those might look like to you. They also discuss the complex place we're in with body politics in 2020 and why, if weight loss or altering your body composition is a goal for you right now, that's totally okay, provided your motivation and your means for getting there are healthy and Alice has plenty of suggestions. Of course, health in lockdown isn't just about fitness and Alice also opens up about her mental health, notably her health anxiety and how she's managing this condition against the ultra-triggering backdrop of a global pandemic. It's a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Over to Claire. Hello, everyone. I'm Claire Sanderson, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Women's Health. I am joined today by a huge friend of the brand. She's been on the cover three times. She's a Women's Health columnist. She's a personal trainer. She's a presenter. She's the creator of three best-selling active wear lines with Primark. Anyone want to guess who she is? She is, of course, Alice Living. <laughs> Hi, Alice. How are you today? Hello. I'm good. I'm good. It's so nice to see you. Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak to us, Alice, out of your very, very busy schedule. I, I'm lucky enough to call you a friend and you are my personal trainer, so I know firsthand just how busy you are. But can you tell us a bit about what you're up to at the moment and, and what life has been like in this covid world we live in and and you know how you're going to move forward through it as well yeah I mean it's been a really interesting time particularly for the fitness industry I think you know it's um when we went into lockdown I never really imagined that the fitness boom could get any bigger 
You know, like we've seen the the fitness industry and the fitness landscape grow and expand so much over the last couple of years that I thought we'd kind of hit a bit of a plateau with that. But come lockdown, it just seemed like people were seriously interested in using exercise as a way to cope with what was going on around them, um, to fill time in in our days where we just had to sit at home doing nothing. Um, And so I really noticed that I started to get super busy with um, uh, just teaching. You know, I um, early on very much recognized that I wanted to try and do something to help people. And I'm sure we all had that feeling of, I want to do something to contribute because we were all sat at home feeling a little bit helpless. So my way of being able to do that was to use my skill set as a personal trainer and say, okay, you know what? I might not be able to get out and coach people one-to-one, but I can definitely reach thousands of people by just teaching online, as so many did. Um, so I started teaching my online classes, um, ended up raising £16,000 for Women's Aid, which was really amazing to do because um, as a kind of part of COVID, domestic violence cases increased um, over the, the lockdown period. So it was really important that I did something that contributed towards their work. Um, and then, yeah, coming out the back of lockdown, I kind of found, found myself in this funny um, limbo phase of doing lots of stuff at home still, lots of Zooms, lots of um, working from home, but then also trying to go back to a sense of normality. So, you know, we've seen each other at the gym and I'm trying to get out and um, and try and find, you know, a normal routine, but it is a little bit difficult. So, you know, it's been really nice for myself to get back into my own training. You know, I, I, I predominantly train in a gym. So home workouts were a real novelty for me. And it's not that I didn't love them, I did, but it's really nice to get back into a gym and like have a barbell and start start training again. So that's been really nice. So yeah, it's been a funny time. So you are back in the gym and you've you've trained me in the gym, but there's not that many people back, certainly in central London gyms. And women's health, we did a, a survey last week and we only put it out for 24 hours. And we had 13,000 respondents and 85% of women said they were still working out from home. Is is that what you're hearing from your audience as well? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's a combination of things that have caused that. I think um, the first thing that I would say is people have really recognised that they can still get a really good workout in from the comfort of their own home. So prior to lockdown, I think home workouts within the fitness industry were a little bit sort of... I mean, it's not that they weren't they weren't done. It's just they weren't seen in the same um, kind of um, like they weren't seen as 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 essential as they are now. So they were a little bit basically the phrase I want to say was they were a little bit poo pooed within the fitness industry. It's like mm. oh, home workout. <laughs> um, whereas actually, what lockdown has done has meant everyone's had to train from home, and a lot of people have recognised that they can get a good workout in from home without needing to pay for an expensive gym membership or to travel into the town um, to go to the gym. So that's been great. Um, the second thing that I would say is I think purely from a um, you know a, a perspective of the time that we're currently in, I think a lot of people are still very nervous to enter in, into an environment that is um historically kind of seen as a bit of a germ fest location <laughs> i mean like obviously as you know you know for example we both train at third space they've been amazing at keeping the gym incredibly clean and i do feel really safe going there myself but i think people have this perception of gyms being a little bit more dirty and you know we're all grabbing the same weights and using the same barbells and stuff so i can understand why people would feel hesitant in that sense um but also i think it's more just a convenience thing mm. you know like um 
for a lot of people, uh, they're not traveling into the t- into the city. So, for example, where you and I live, people aren't coming into the into central London anymore. They're staying at home, and if their gym was in town, they're not going to go in to come back out again. So, purely from a logis- logistical perspective, it just doesn't make sense for a lot of people to go to the gym. And I think you know, ultimately, um, this has been a really unprecedented time, as I'm sure you probably said many times in this podcast. <laughs> it has been a very unprecedented time. Um, but it's really had positives um, that have come from it too. And I think one of the positives is home workouts have been seen in a much better light. You know, they're, they are catered for more than ever now, which is great. And it means that exercise is therefore so much more accessible than it was before. You know, if we think pre-COVID, the cost of a gym membership, the cost of uh, having to travel to and from the gym, for example, um, the barrier to entry for exercise for some people seemed very high. Whereas now we're all on the same playing field in terms of understanding how to train from home. There being way more um, ideas and inspiration both online and within different programs out there that cater to the home workout um, kind of population. And I think that's great. And it does mean that exercise is more accessible, which is, I guess, what we all want at the end of the day. There were so many stories that came out during the, you know, the, the dark days of lockdown um, about how women found exercise. I read, you know, lots of women found it through Joe Wicks, for instance, doing mm. PE, PE with Joe with their with their children. And then women went on to find hit classes at home. They, it's, it's been the great democratizer almost, hasn't it, lockdown? In terms Can I just of- say... Can I just say yes. I loved watching you do it with your kids. <laughs> that was that was the highlight of my lockdown days was t- tuning into your stories and just seeing you do a couple of mm. and Nell doing her little jumps up up and down. I think oh, it's yeah. great that Joe Wicks is excellent. Like what a yeah. legend. I mean, exactly. I just thought that was and I saw so many families that it was almost like a unifier for people that it brought mm. them together and exercise is that. Absolutely. So if people are choosing to work out from home, what's the and and they may have limited space. They may have no equipment because you have to remortgage your house these days if you want dumbbells because they're so expensive <laughs> uh, and kettlebells. I cannot believe how expensive they are. So if people are just need to use their environment and and sort of equipment that they would naturally find in their home, what's a, a sort of perfect ideal home workout? How would you go about building one? So obviously, I want to caveat this with it depends on your training ability and it depends on your goals. But home workouts, generally, I would always start with some form of body weight exercises. So if you think about the stuff that I would generally do in the gym, squats, lunges, push-ups, you can do all of those from home. It doesn't matter that you don't have load. You can play around with things like tempo. You can play around with high volumes of those exercises. Um, and also there are exercises like push-ups, for example, was something that I saw so many women across lockdown really focus on trying to get better at because there's no equipment required. It's a really tough upper body exercise. And it's a nice way to be able to see progression. You know, you might start by doing one against a wall, for example, and then slowly, slowly, as you get stronger, build up to, to coming down to the floor. So I would start with those kinds of key movement patterns that we generally uh, do in the gym anyway Um, but there are also other things you know it depends on what you enjoy but definitely the sort of more high intensity style workouts are good one or two times a week if you want to have a real sweat which I know you love Claire (laughs) (laughs) and um, and otherwise if you're not into that sort of thing I would go down the route of things like more Pilates mat based work um, really good for sort of building that pelvic floor strength and core strength um, things like yoga so I think the variety is endless and you know body weight exercise aren't um, easier I think that's what people tend to think they think oh I haven't got heavy weight so it must be easier you can make things as difficult as you want them to be you know okay we can't get 
you know, a heavy barbell back squat in the comfort of our living room. But we can definitely challenge our squat in different ways. And then it's about looking at, okay, I can't challenge myself with weight. So can I challenge myself with different movement skills? So over lockdown, something like a pistol squat was something that I challenged a lot of my clients with because it's an amazing body weight exercise that really takes a lot of skill and is a real challenge. So it was more about, can we challenge ourselves in different ways with different movements and that just require a body weight? So I think those are things that I would tend to focus on so can you explain what a pistol squat is please so a pistol squat is a single leg squat you ideally want to keep uh, a relatively upright torso you're going to bend one leg into the body and then have one leg extended out of you and if you want to be really fancy you can hold onto your foot with your hands and then you're going to squat down and stand back up again and I would give you my example Claire but I seem to have regressed on my progress with those over the last couple of weeks and I would probably fall into a heap on the floor <laughs> I, I can't do, we we've sort of tried to work on them haven't we but doing them with the we've done them the box with the TRX. yeah and the trx oh, yeah, and the with the as box well. as well too yeah, yeah. But it's... so everyone at home if you want to have a little go without going you know to the most challenging variation get a chair make sure it's in a secure place and then stand on one leg and i just want you to sit down onto the chair and stand up again without putting your other leg on the floor so just mm. a one-legged squat to a chair and stand back up again that's your little challenge for me today and i can guarantee <laughs> you'll find one leg much easier than the other because most people yeah. do don't they so exactly. my right leg i can do it all day left useless but that's imbalances, which is something that you have written about in a forthcoming issue of Women's Health, which people need to look I out for. I was just about to say, that's my column over the next, I think one of the next few issues coming out, we cover um, strength imbalances. So definitely do check that out. Yes. So what is that then? We all, we all have it because I've, I've read your piece this morning, actually, I've proofread it. Um, and it's where one side of the body is naturally stronger than the other and probably a result of carrying bags on one side or sitting awkwardly. Exactly. And it doesn't even have to be that. It can just be that you know a lot of the time so we see people that um write with their right hand for example you're a little bit stronger on one side we have natural imbalances in strength just through our daily movement patterns and how we uh move generally and it's not something to be hugely concerned about you know i see this kind of big uh, narrative of being like oh my god even out strength imbalances you know for the most part it's not a huge issue um but if you have very obvious strength imbalances for example with you claire we've really worked on trying to even out the strength imbalances within your legs and that's 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 due to an, a prior injury and so there's definitely a weakness on one side and obviously each case is very different but if you have a very obvious strength imbalance then there are definitely things that you can start to do to try and even that out a little bit and we do look to unilateral exercises so single leg or single arm exercises to really address that so if you're only doing bilateral exercises and by bilateral I mean um, things like where both feet are on the floor or using both arms at the same time so basically both sides of the body are working at the same time it's very hard to even out strength imbalances because one side is always going to be doing a little bit more work than the other, which is why when we break it down to single arm exercises or single leg exercises, we're able to really see the, the, the imbalance and then maybe... Um, for example, one of the tips that I put in the um, in the uh, column that I wrote was always start with your weakest side first. It's a really good place to go because if you're doing your strong side first and thinking, oh, this feels great, and then you're already in a little bit of a fatigued state, your weaker side is going to feel 10 times harder. So always go for the weaker side first and then your stronger side. So yeah, definitely have a read of the column for my top tips there. So you're a, a big proponent of strength training. So many women are frightened of picking up weights. They, I've heard this time and time again. They don't want to pick up weights more than three kg because they think they're going to get bigger. Mm. What is your response to that? Well, firstly, I think um, 
well, I could answer this in two ways. The first thing is we need to address why women are afraid of getting bigger and why muscly, muscle on women is kind of demonized or, or seen as a bad thing. Because firstly, I think that's crazy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I want to look strong. <laughs> and that's something I mean. that I really like. But, you know, if we look back 10, 20 years, muscular women were, were kind of yeah demonized in a way. And I, and I think we need to address that. But the second thing I would say is it's actually not physically possible for women to put on muscle in the way that they think they're going to. We simply don't produce enough testosterone to, you know, suddenly become the incredible Hulk. And actually the other thing that I remind women of is how incredibly hard it is to even put on a tiny bit of muscle. You know, people think, you know, I get messaged so often um, by people who say, you know, I've been lifting weights for two weeks and I've suddenly got really bulk. And it's like, doesn't really work like that it takes months of progressive overload to even lay down a little bit of muscle so really not being fearful of of um, the idea of getting stronger and then the final thing I would say is if we took away the way that we look which ultimately um you know is, is I guess one of the motivators that encourages people to train but shouldn't be the only reason and we look at all of the other positive benefits of strength training. Strength training is incredibly important uh, for women around the menopause to try and maintain that bone density. Like it's proven that it's really beneficial as you move later in life. So definitely one of the things that you want to be focusing on. Um, But also we look at things like just um, improved like proprioception and stability, balance. Like there are so many benefits that just go beyond the way that we look. Um, And then the last point I would say, sorry, I've kind of waffled on a little bit, but the last point I would say is that any form of exercise can help to maintain body composition in, co- in, 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 in combination with a healthy lifestyle and whatever. No, um, you know, I would say that actually on the flip side of women thinking they're going to get bulky, I would say strength training is actually one of the best things for improving body comp- composition if that's what you want to achieve. So yeah, I, I, I get very sad when women sort of say, Oh no, I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to lift heavy weights. Cause I just think it doesn't happen that way. Um, but unfortunately that was a narrative that was kind of peddled out by, um, various different trainers, particularly women over the last 20 years. And it's been really difficult to undo. Mm. So hopefully people like myself, you know, I look at people like Laura Hoggins, who I adore, um, and many, many other women within the industry, who are really now championing strength training. And I'm, I'm so pleased that the narrative is slowly changing. Mm. It, it is slow though. You know, I, I lift weights, not as heavy as Laura Hoggins, um, who I love <laughs> dearly as well. Um, <laughs> but when I, when I go to classes, I'm, I'm definitely, even though I'm one of the oldest women, I'm still mm. lifting heavier weights than all the women and most of the men. And it's, and I, I, I feel like saying to them, what are you afraid of? You know, that, that mm. four kg is not going to do much to for your deadlift, you know. Mm. Um, and it's it's funny, and it, it is as a narrative. It's so deeply ingrained, isn't it? Mm. But but you do see women, especially that the CrossFit type physique, who are bigger and who look amazing and strong and powerful. But so I think women then look at that physique and think, well, those men are bigger. But what they don't realise is those women are lifting serious weights aren't they and they are they are training multiple times a day they're the professional athletes the, the, yeah the exactly the thing is is that and this is an issue that goes way beyond just about women lifting weights but 
you know, you can never look at someone and know the full picture. You know, mm. I could look at you and say, and th- you know, and I actually wrote a post about this the other day about, you know, it's really important not to judge anyone's bodies without knowing the full context. Well, n- never judge anyone's bodies full stop, but also we never know the full context. So you might look at a crossfitter and think, oh God, she must lift weights and therefore get bulky. They don't see years and years of training and lifting weights mm. and the correct nutrition that's got her to that point, which is her desired physique, which is beautiful and should be celebrated. Yeah. Um, because you know we just make snap judgments. So I think it's really important that you know we we understand that it's never right to make a judgment about anyone's bodies because we will never understand the full context and you'll never know. You know, I mean, I I spoke about this in the sense that you know a lot of people comment on people's weight loss for example and be like oh wow you look amazing you look great but never really know why that's going on or Mm. if there might be kind of a a sinister reason as to why that's happening for example they're going through a really tough time mentally or they're struggling in their relationship or whatever you just never really know so I just think you know when you're going to exercise just have a focus on what you want to achieve. Try not to compare yourself to other people's bodies. Try not to think about, you know, um, not wanting to look like that or wanting to look like that. And just think, okay, let me embrace this for what it is. Let me get the most out of my body. Because also the most important thing, Claire, as you know, is we are all so unique. So my mm. body is never going to look like yours. Yours is never going to look like mine. So we can sit here and think, oh God, I don't want to look like her. Or, oh God, I really want to look like her. But ultimately, we're never going to look like anyone because we are all individuals mm. who have you know, our own bodies. And yes, we can have certain changes within our own bodies, depending on what we do. But I just think it's it's important to start celebrating our own bodies rather than comparing ourselves to other people. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So you touched upon weight loss there. Now, weight loss as a phrase or losing weight as a phrase has become somewhat demonized. And it's now seen as not cool to say, I want to lose weight. When the reality is losing weight can be a healthy endeavor if it's done properly and with correct nutrition and you don't, you know, cut out food groups needlessly. 
but there's there's definitely this this groundswell between us now and well you've you've seen women saying they've been attacked for saying they want to lose weight on social media and i i fully endorse that we should celebrate all healthy bodies but i equally believe that people's choices should be respected i know this is something that that you and i have discussed at length actually yeah i think it's really interesting and i think ultimately my stance on this is we should all have autonomy to choose what we want to do with our own bodies and who am i to say that someone's decision to want to lose weight is wrong. I think as long as it's done for the right reasons, and believe me when I say, you know, I understand that there are definitely people, myself included, who went too far with the weight loss thing. And there are people who do it because they're just desperate to um, look a certain way. And actually that's done, you know, for the uh, to fill a void of unhappiness. That was my experience anyway. You know, I spoke about this at length on my stories the other day, but, you know, my weight loss was very much, um, I was unhappy And I thought that being thinner was going to make me happier. And that wasn't the right reason to do that. But, you know, if you're in a good space and, you know, you think that it's a challenge that you want to set yourself, who am I to say that that's not something you should do? So I think ultimately, you know, I I believe that across the board, however you want to approach your health and your body should be something that only you get to decide And that's not for me, that's not for you, that's not for anyone on social media or anyone out out there to dictate otherwise. And that's kind of how how I feel about it. You know, we all should be able to make choices for our own bodies without feeling shamed or um, kind of... ashamed of of, our, of what we're doing. So if somebody does want to lose weight, and we know that nutrition is key, it's, it's so key, you can't out-train a bad diet. You know, we've, I've, the, the same as you, I've over-dieted in the past, I've over-trained in the past, so I feel I could write a book about it all, but I'm not qualified to do so, so I won't. But <laughs> <laughs> from an exercise point of view, what would you say is the optimum exercise routine to adopt if your plan is to lose weight or let's just change, let's say change body composition, because it might be actually that you remain the same weight, but you get leaner through um, optimal nutrition and exercise. So what would be your advice to someone in that situation? So that's a huge question um, <laughs> with quite a varied answer. So the first thing I would say is that um, ultimately, you know, if we look at um exercise and how much it contributes towards fat loss or or changing of body composition exercise actually makes up a very small percentage of that so we have our exercise activity thermogenesis which is the energy burned when we're when we're exercising and then we have our non-exercise activity thermogenesis which is all of the movement that we do outside of exercising and that makes up a much bigger portion of a contribution towards our overall energy output during the day so I think what happens with when people have a fat loss goal or a weight loss goal, uh, they focus on the exercise, they go really hardcore on the exercise, and it's like, this is the thing that I need to be doing. I need to be doing cardio, and I need to be smashing myself in the gym. And actually, we see that as being a very small portion of um, people's overall deficit that they're creating. Um, and actually... Alongside that, what you then tend to see is people undereating, overtraining, and ending up completely fatigued and unable to sustain that level of intensity because that's not healthy. And it's really important to to stress that. Um, If I was someone um, who had that goal, 
I think it would be really important that I understood that whilst exercise is important and something like strength training to maintain muscle mass is, is definitely important, and that's what I would recommend, I'd also look at a lot of other things. So I would not only look at my exercise, which would be strength training um, for my preference, um, I would also look at how much I'm moving each day. So I try and make sure that I'm walking enough each day and just getting up and moving around more than if I was completely sedentary throughout the day. So we know that we, we just sitting doing absolutely nothing. So our basal metabolic rate um, is X, should we just sit and do nothing? So we still burn energy regardless of whether we're moving or not. So I try and increase that by moving more each day. Um, and you can do things like get out for a walk every day. Maybe it's that you um, don't take public transport and you walk to work instead. And just little things that you can start to incorporate to make sure that you are just moving that little bit more. And then obviously, as you indicated, nutrition is also important. So um, I would be... Um, speaking to someone who's qualified within that field, obviously you and I, neither of us are nutritionists and neither of us are special in that field. So I really look to people online, for example, um, who are qualified within that field um, and who are able to give specific advice there. And then lastly, that thing that I touched on when we first started was um, the recovery element. You know, people tend to forget recovery completely and because the, they're so focused on their goal. And actually, I love it. I think it's Justin Thompson, um, who is an amazing trainer, who I know you've done stuff with at Women's Health. But she says that you need to recover as hard as you train. Yeah. And I really love that because it's so true. If you have a long-term goal of fat loss, you need to make sure that your energy stores are there. You need to make sure that you are um, able to train in the intensity that you want to. And to do that, you need to make sure that you're recovering as hard as you're training. Yeah. So it's not about let me go as hard as fast as I possibly can absolutely not and that would not be my advice at all mine would be let's look at a long-term sustainable program let's make sure that you're recovering let's make sure that we're checking in each week to make sure that you're feeling at your best when you enter into each session and also let's make sure that we are keeping the sessions at an intensity that you're able to cope with mm. so I think um you know it, it's funny people's perceptions of of exercise and how much it contributes towards the fat loss goal but I think we need to really look at the bigger picture here rather than just focusing on the exercise it's funny how hard some people find it to recover and I am one of them and I you know what I'm like I do throw myself at exercise you know I just I would go hell for leather and I did yesterday in third space and and today I'm on a really heavy period I feel wiped out and I'm forcing myself not to do exercise which is ridiculous and I just want to get on my peloton bike and I'm I know that it is not what I should be doing today, but it's so mm. hard to listen mm. to your own body, isn't it? It's it's very, very yeah. hard to to know what is best for you. And, and you're absolutely right. Recovery is key. And I think knowing you as, as a friend and as a client, um, what I would say with you is your lifestyle is go, 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 go. So you're not only stressing yourself with exercise, you're stressing yourself with work, you're a busy mum, you've got all of the th- all, lots of other things going on. So what, what we try and do, which I know that you find difficult sometimes, is we do try and pull things back. You know, I am the biggest advocate of a rest day. You know, I think people think that personal trainers are people that tell you to push through and there's no excuses and whatever. That is the complete opposite of how I practice, as I'm sure you know. You know, if you need to take rest, I would far rather that you do that. And ultimately, I think the 
the best thing that I've just heard from what you said is that you are listening to your body, that you are recognizing that you need rest, um, particularly women who are dealing with their cycle. You know, there are definitely going to be parts of the month where you just don't feel like it. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you need to push through. I'm going to sit here and tell you, you do what feels best for you. So um, yeah, I think it's really important that we have a lot more appreciation for rest across the board, with no matter what exercise you're doing. So let's talk about mental health. Now, the nation's mental health is under attack at the moment. We've just done a survey at Women's Health. The results are coming out in November, October, sorry. And 75% of respondents said they feel that their mental health has deteriorated this year. And 82% are seriously concerned about the quality of their mental health going forward. Now, you and I are very open about our mental health struggles. You've spoken Mm. about anxiety. You've had panic attacks Mm. when you were Mm. younger. You've spoken at length Mm. about having health anxiety recently. Mm. How do you preserve your own mental health? Well, you know, I think it's a a really difficult thing because you're absolutely right. We're experiencing experiencing a collective trauma right now, Mm. going through a completely unprecedented time, experiencing things that we never thought we would. Um, And I think ultimately um, my kind of key, um, uh, you know, coping mechanisms are three things. The first thing is I have to talk to people. I have to force myself to say I've had a bad day or I'm struggling or I'm really finding this difficult. If I don't do that, I bottle it up and I'm like a little pressure cooker and it gets worse and it gets worse. And with every day, it feels so much worse than if I just let off that little bit of steam and share how I'm feeling. So when Paddy comes home from work, which he's now now going into the office or, you know, when we sat down at the end of the day during lockdown, if I was feeling something I would really try and be proactive at just saying, do you know what? I'm really struggling with this or I felt this and can we talk about it? And I think it doesn't have to be your boyfriend. It doesn't have to be your partner. It can be a friend. It can be someone, just someone that you trust. Just being able to have that open dialogue with one person where you are able to and feel comfortable to share how you feel is one of the best things that I do because it is like just letting off that little bit of steam even in our sessions sometimes, you know, I think I call myself part-time personal trainer, part-time counselor, but we both let off steam to each other about various different things. And it does feel better for doing it. You know, if you are Mm. able to share a problem, my mum always taught me problem shared is a problem halved. Mm. And sometimes it does feel that way, not always, but sometimes. So I do think talking is the most important thing. Um, The second thing is I, I, I'm a big believer in um, movement for mental well-being and I'm saying movement specifically because I know we've talked a lot about strength training, but I don't actually necessarily lean on strength training as much for my mental health. I really lean on walking. I actually find walking the most meditative, calming thing. And particularly during lockdown, when we only got that hour of time outside, I really realized how much I relied on walking to just improve my mood to make me feel good so I do my training in the morning but then I'd look forward to that hour outside um, every single day just to get outside and get some fresh air Um, and I think that walking I think it's even been shown that like during walking like you're able to almost fall into a meditative state and just being outside in nature is also really good for your mental health so that's my second thing and then lastly I've saved this for last because I think it's a slightly privileged kind of um thing to say because I know that this isn't accessible for everyone but I sought out a therapist during um lockdown and I've had therapy before but I never really found 
it stuck with me. Um, I just didn't get on with the therapist or didn't quite, I wasn't in the right headspace basically. Um, but during lockdown, I found a therapist and it's been the best thing that I've ever done. And I feel so much better as a result of just having someone that I can speak to who's completely impartial, who I can say whatever I want to, who I can talk about things. And, you know, she's relatively young. And so she gets the world that I work in and she understands, you know, the difficulties that that sometimes throws up. And she's amazing. And um, that's been such a savior for me um, because I did really struggle at points during lockdown, particularly with health anxiety. God, I was in a really bad way (laughs) early on. So um, it's been um, it's been really helpful for me to have that. Can you tell us a bit about your health anxiety? People might not be too familiar with the phrase and what it means. Yeah, I mean, so I have anxiety in various different forms. And it's such a difficult thing to talk about because anxiety for a lot of people seems like a very, um, I hate to say this word, but it seems like a very top level mental health condition. Like people just like, oh yeah, it's a bit of anxiety and it's a bit trivialized. And actually for me, like when I am in a, a bad space with my anxiety, I'm on the phone to the doctor, I'm crying, I'm thinking, I think I'm dying. You know, I can't, I cancel everything. I don't go out. I literally think the worst. Uh, and it stops me living my life. And I think ultimately, like, I didn't quite realize how bad it had got until I spoke to this therapist and I told her some of the things that I'd been thinking and feeling. And also my doctor had really flagged me. And like, I, I thankfully have a really good relationship with my GP. And she's very, very understanding of the fact that I sometimes rock up there and say, I think I'm dying. Can you just tell me that I'm not? But mm. I need that reassurance because in my head, things are so bad that I I just think I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm gone for. <laughs> and I can talk about it now because I'm not in a bad space. And I'm, I'm actually in a really good space and I'm able to look back and think, oh, God, that yeah, that was really silly. But at the time, I felt so consumed by anxiety that I retreat into myself completely. And it's so difficult to get myself back out of that space because the initial instinct for me when I am in a bad space of my anxiety is to not talk to anyone, to not go out, to not socialize, to um, just completely uh, retreat. And that for me is is just a really difficult space. And so when people talk about anxiety, and I, 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 I sort of hate when it's seen as a very trivial trivial thing because for me it stops me living my life it's so debilitating at times that I cannot do my job and I cannot live my life normally and I think people need to have a lot more understanding of how it can manifest and I know that you have also suffered in in various different ways with with your mental health and you understand that it's it's just it's a really difficult thing to try and explain and particularly when you're in it it's the hardest thing to communicate because you're like I can't you know I've had times with Paddy where I've tried to say you know I remember and it's, it's awful things like stuff I can't even say but I remember just trying to say to him like how I was feeling and what I thought was wrong with me and he's like no you're fine I'm like no you don't and it's just horrible it is really horrible so thankfully like she's my therapist has been amazing with that and and has really helped me to sort of develop a bit more rational thought when I'm in, in a state of such anxiety and I think that's the number one thing that goes out the window is rational thought goes out the window and I suddenly become this completely paranoid person um, so she's really helped with that. And and it's good to know that if I am in a bit of a crisis situation, that I have someone that I can now lean on who understands me enough to know how to deal with that. Mm. I remember I had cognitive behavioural therapy, which is T 
teaching you how to combat your irrational thoughts. So mm-hmm. I now have, if I'm going through an anxious period, I now have the, the common sense of me knows I'm being mm-hmm. irrational and knows that this is this is not making sense. And for want of a better word, I'm being silly. But then the, the emotional part of you, the anxious part of you just takes over and you, and you go with it anyway. And it's a vicious cycle and it's very hard to get out of. Absolutely. You're so right. Like it's always you're split in two because part mm. of me knows that nothing is wrong with me. And then part of me is so convinced that I am, you know, sick that my brain just really struggles with that, that kind of mm. um, to and fro between those two. Yeah, that you know, with me, it manifests in how I look. And there are times that it can go on for weeks at a time where I'm mm. absolutely mortified by how I look. But but the mm. common sense side of my brain knows that I look mm. fine for a 42 year old mm. mother of two. Yeah, <laughs> but the but the the ang- the anxious irrational side of me just just gets yeah. better. So yeah, well let's look forward to the future then. What what does the future look like for fitness in your opinion? And, and what's the future for Alice Living? Well, I think the future for fitness is so exciting. I think we only have exciting things to come um, in the fitness landscape. Um, I definitely see there being, a, a, you know, as we spoke about earlier, a huge um, increase in home workout options and offerings across the board. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what people come out with the, that with that. Um, as well as I think offerings of, you know, we spoke about kit being really expensive. And I think that's definitely something that should change. Um, I hope over the next few months um, that we see um, much more accessible options for people to be able to train from home, because I think it's crazy the prices that they're charging right now. You're absolutely right. Um, but I also think that there will be um, much more thing um, like looking at things like on demand options. So um as per the lives that were so popular during uh, during uh, lockdown, I think those are going to be transferred to more um, kind of slicked up um, versions, such as things like the app Fit, um, which I think, and also if you've seen um, Apple have launched yes. their um, new offering, which I think is, looks great. So yeah. definitely those kind of things are going to be big business. Um, and also things like, you know, I know you love your Peloton. <laughs> Um, and I think those kind of home workout options where there's a really, um, you know, the thing with Peloton is like there's so there's such a variety of workouts that you can do with it that you don't really need anything else. So I definitely think uh, those kind of home workout op- um, offerings are going to be um, on the rise. And then when it comes to me, speaking of offerings, well, I definitely have something that's very exciting coming that's launching in January. Obviously, Women's Health will have the first scoop when it does get announced. But yeah. Right. But for now, just just look forward to it. (laughs) Final question. This podcast is called Going for Goals. So what is your number one goal? Oh, I mean, I'm so boring when it comes to things like this, because I just say my number one goal is for me to be happy, however that looks. I know that sounds really cheesy, but, you know, I've... I guess oh, actually, having just said what I said, I want I want to be successful within the fitness industry with my new offering. Um, that's my number one goal right now. But like long term, I think you know I've had so many ups and downs and and worn so many different hats and been so many different things that ultimately I just want to end my life with with um, you know happiness and health. Yeah. <laughs> that was a cheesy end. Your life. Ending for you. It's a cheesy end. It's rather bleak as well. <laughs> just want to, when I die. <laughs> I die. I just make... <laughs> <laughs> but on that note, Alice yeah. Levin, thank you so much for joining me today on Thank Go you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Bye. <laughs> you have been listening to 
Alice Living in conversation with Women's Health's Editor-in-Chief, Claire Sanderson. I really hope you enjoyed it. I just think she's a little ray of sunshine and that is welcome right now, more than ever. Um, if you have any comments or questions that you like to share with us about today's show, you can get in touch with us through all the normal ways and all the details are in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, or, or if not, but you know, we'd probably prefer to hear if you've enjoyed yourself, uh, you can rate or review um, on Apple Podcasts and remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. Final thing to say is that we make this podcast for you and you make this podcast. So if there's any topics that you want our experts to cover or if there's a celebrity that you're dying to hear interviewed on the show, get in touch and let us know. We'll see what we can do. Right, that's enough from me. Stay safe, everyone. I'll be back next week. Bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.